We know, of course, that the bulk of our tefillah, rov minyan, rov binyan of our tefillah is bakashos, it's asking for things. So now, how do we think about this pursuit, this activity of asking for things in light of the idea that tefillah is about connecting with Hashem? So one way to approach this, he points out here in the Bayam Darkecha, is that every person, each one of us, O Skimmel, go to the second line, Kol Yehudi, every Jew, Lefi Madre Gasa, according to where we are at our own step in the journey, we can immerse ourselves, we can connect in a deep way to the unity, that inner awareness of Hashem. So he's going to give you an example that's going to relate to us, even if we're on the basic first step, first base of davening, which most people associate with bakasha, with asking. What's that? Yehudi, a Jew, in the second paragraph, it's the main thing, it's about asking for what we need, which of course is, that's the place to start. That's where the person at is in their madrega. Asking for things. Which is, by the way, that itself is a beautiful madrega. That's a good place. If a person really is asking the Rabbonu Shalom, I need this, please help me. It's like Rabbi Zusha would wake up in the morning. It would say, Rabbonu Shalom, Zusha is hungry. So somebody would knock on the door, obviously with like a continental breakfast. I don't know what the continental breakfast looked like in Anapoli. It probably existed like mud, herring, maybe it's herring, halavai, on a good day. But a person asks the Rosh I need this, my children need this, my family needs this, my neighbors need this. Azai then, through asking for the things that we need, we can strengthen and reinforce for ourselves this basic. Now, emunapshuta does not mean simplistic faith, it means simple faith, uncomplicated faith, pure faith. Everything comes to the Shalom. And the Rebbe does everything. We have to ask with our whole heart. And then we can think, what is within these? It's the assumption. Right, you see a guy, he's standing in O'Hare, it's the winter time, it's about 3.50, the flight is boarding in 10 minutes, and he's standing behind the United counter, swaying into a podium. What's, what's he doing? So you imagine the regular, the Hamon Am there, that what are they thinking? This past week I had to, fly, I had to travel for something that was not good, Lo'olainu, and I had to take a very, very early flight, and the Zmanim were complicated, but because I was not with my family, nobody could tell me what to do on the plane. So I had to make a cheshman of the right way to time the Zmanim and the Shimon Esrei, so I put on my tefillin while I was still on the plane, but then they turned on the seatbelt sign, which I knew was coming, so I timed it so that I finished Shimon Esrei, I finished Shema with the Birch Kriya Shema right before I was going to deplane, so then I deplane and said Shimon Esrei standing in the terminal without having to be mafsik between Geula and Tefillah, it was worked out perfectly. And because nobody was there, they couldn't tell me that I can't walk off the plane with my Talzin Tefillin. 
And by the way, I wasn't the weirdest looking person on the plane walking out of the Coliseum building. But you see a man, you see a man standing in the terminal wearing a shawl and black boxes strapped next to a wall swaying. So he's giving him a sugar. My person must have lost his mind. So what does the person tell you? No. I, yeah, remember the old payphones, right? But the shot is, if someone asks you, what are you doing? You would say, of course, I'm talking to the master of the world, the creator of the whole world. I'm talking to them right now. So every time you ask a bakasha, you are assuming that their Boshom is listening to you. Because if you didn't think that that was true, you would not do that. Right? That wouldn't make any sense whatsoever. The whole, we, the whole idea we're working with is that their Boshom is listening to us. But he's, he's also saying that the more we daven with the, the simplest, simple faith, yes. just asking for what we need, the deeper our appreciation. It can help us. Exactly. It can help yes, us deepen and reinforce. Yeah. Oh, so this is Aleph. Now, what he doesn't talk about, he talks about the next thing in a second, but there's another element of this, of the asking. There's another element of asking that also relates to this idea that we rely on Hashem. So there's a famous vart that old Darshanim used to say, it appears in the Bali Musar and the Svarim HaKadoshim, depending on what you call those anonymous works. So, you know, the, unfortunately, there was a little bit of a mix, mishap at the beginning of creation that the snake, the Nachash, told Adam and Chava, this thing, you should eat from it, and they ate, and it was bad. It's not a good situation. So what happens to the Nachash? The Nachash gets a serious consequence. What's his consequence? So he doesn't have any reptilian feet anymore. Now he has to slither around in the ground. You're going to eat dirt your whole life. So many Bali Musa, they ask the obvious question. What's the big deal? So he's going to eat dirt his whole life. Guess what? There is no shortage of dirt anywhere in the world. He'll be... Right, whatever the, the, the shot of that pasuk is, leaving that aside. But for offer tochal koli mechayecha, that they're meant to eat anything they can. Sounds, sounds a lot worse than it is. Right? Sounds worse than it is. So you know what did the Bali Moses say? They said their Bosham says, you know what? I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to you. And therefore, you're never going to have to ask me for anything. You're always going to have, you'll be on your own. There was a, a guy who I learned in the Kola with in YU. So his father is a big, big tzaddik. And he used to get a ride in. His father is a Rebbe in YU. And we'd get a ride in, um, I think when he was in high school already. And his father, who I know is a tremendous person, tremendous tzaddik, his father used to give him money for lunch. So he said once that his father didn't give him 20 bucks at the beginning of the week or whatever it was, $25. He says, Father used to give him $5 every day. Why did he give him $5 every day? Because he wanted, at least they should have the interaction in the morning that he would come ask him for money for lunch, and he should say, have a great day, and here's some money for lunch. They should have that interaction. You don't even get that. Here's, here's an unlimited credit card. Don't call me. Terrible thing. That's a terrible klala. The idea can also be understood that not just that the bakasha is based on the assumption 
that the Rebbe takes care of everything, and that the more that we remind ourselves of that, that nurtures that emunah pshuta. But the bakasha is actually, it's a tool. It's like a hechetimtza. It's a trick to keep coming back to the Rebbe Shalom. It's an excuse. There was a, imagine there was a chesidish Rebbe, and he's sitting at Shalashudas, Rava de Ravin, the most special time of the whole week, before Shabbos leaves. It's a very intense time of closeness. It's a very special time. So he's sitting with a small group of chassidim and they're in their shtetl somewhere in the Bismedrish and the lights are low and the Rebbe starts saying Torah and they start singing B'nei Hechala over and over and at some point they're about to get to the very special time when the Rebbe says Shema Yisrael Hashem Melech and into the whole Bismedrish bursts a guy not Stam a guy a farmer wearing overalls on Shabbos Kodesh. He's wearing overalls and a plaid shirt, and he looks like Episa Grubba Yid. He's not, he's not so refined. He looks very coarse. And he bursts in, and he pushes his way to the front, and he looks at the Rebbe with, with longing eyes. He says, Rebbe, I have a problem. And all the chassidim are all aghast. They're all aghast. And Mabish and Mitten, in the middle of Shabbos Shodas, the guy says, how can the Rebbe has a problem? What kind of problem does he have? What problem does he have? Says, Rabbi, Rabbi, my, my horse stopped eating. The horse won't eat. So the Rabbi tells all the chassidim, stop. And he turns and he looks at this farmer and he holds his hand and he says, when did the horse stop eating? So the, the farmer, he says, Rabbi, I, I think he stopped eating maybe last night. He's really hungry, but he won't, he won't eat. So Rabbi thinks, strokes his beard, could I have to pay us a little bit? And he's thinking, he says, Here's what you should do. You should go find a sugar cube. Remember when we were kids, they used to have sugar cubes, the domino sugar cubes? That's, I think that's a holdover from Europe. So take a sugar cube and put it right between the horse's teeth. And then when he has the sugar cube in his teeth, get him to drink a little bit. See if he'll drink, and then he'll have some, some whatever you call it in the Hatsala world, nutrition, or right, he'll have something. So the farmer says, thank you so much, Rabbi. I really appreciate it. So the guy leaves. The chassidim resumed the Bnei Hechala. Ten minutes later, they're also still going through Bnei Hechala, still going late Shal Shudas, and bursts through the farmer, and he pushes his way back to the farmer. He says, Rabbi! He starts screaming, Rabbi! I have to thank you so much. He looks a little better. He looks a little better. But I have to ask you now, what should I do tomorrow if he doesn't eat? The Rebbe thinks, he goes back, he says, you know, maybe tomorrow you should get some hay and mix it with some sugar, and then, then maybe you'll eat breakfast tomorrow. So the guy leaves in the chassidim, like, mom is smoking irate. Irate. In the middle of Shalashudas, Rav and Rav, the guy comes in, he's asking about his horse, it's not, it's totally not. So the, the Rebbe could see that the chassidim are a little bit agitated. So he says, he says, tell me, what do you think the guy came here for? Why do you think he came here? And why do you think he came here now? Do you think he thinks that I'm a horse doctor? He thinks I know something about horses? He probably thinks I know something about horses, but that's not why he came here. He came here because he knows there's something special going on now, but he has no way where he is of accessing or understanding or connecting. The only thing he knows is a horse. So this is his way of being part of it. He didn't come about the horse. 
He came because he wants to be connected to me and he wants to be connected to us. And that's the only way that he knows. So that's another way of viewing bakashas. That bakashas, in a certain sense, are a hechetemsa. They're an excuse. They're the only thing that we know, the only way that we know to talk to the Rebbe We don't know anything about the hechalos and all the spiritual things. We're just regular people. So in our madrega, the fact that we have these bakashas, we have these needs, bori nefoshas rabbis v'chesronan, the things that we need, so then, you know, we can approach the Rebbe I don't know, I can't speak for him why he created the world with so many chesronos. You know, this is like, a, it's like an interesting um, Jordan B. Peterson, like in 12 Rules of Life, where he talks about how being in this world, the Olam Haz existence, also has limitations. That's the essence of Olam Haz, that there are limits, which means there are brokenness. But maybe part of that is the Rebbe Shalom is telling us, I'm not just going to give you a blank check, because I give you a blank check, Vayishman Yishoran Vayivat. If we have it too good, we forget. So if we have things that we need, and everyone has things that they need, and if they don't need it, somebody else needs it desperately. So it's a, it's a, great, it's a great excuse to come to Rabbi Shalom's table. The malachim probably look at us. You say, the guy's asking for parnasa. Do you know all the important things? But the Rabbi Shalom says to malachim, he's asking for parnasa, because in this world, that's what I gave him as the way to connect to me. So the bakashos, they're a vehicle. They're a vehicle to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And so, in that light, we could take it in a deeper level, which he doesn't develop here, but I think in, in our suggestion, it fulfills what he says in the top of the next column, and in this way, the main thing is just asking, asking for what we need. We can use this as a path toward this greater awareness. And a stronger feeling, that Hashem is Einod Movado, Vashuhu no Sein Hakol. And the Rabban Shalom gives us everything. That's being reinforced. The more that we ask for it, the more reinforcing the fact that the Rabban Shalom is doing it. And that's why there is a strong correlation between Tefillah and Emuna. Emuna is, is a feeling of presence. How do you express that? How do you know if we're improving, so to speak, in our amuna? So tefillah is one barometer. And an indicator of that, a way of expressing that, is in the word lehispalel. Pilel means different things, but let's say yesterday's parasha, parasha mishpatim, we talk about um, the word palel as it relates to a judge. So the word palel means to judge. So lehis palel means to judge yourself, to think about yourself, to scrutinize yourself. That's one definition. That, obviously, the real definition of lehis palel means to dream for yourself, to imagine. But in this way, whenever you daven, if you lean into something, you have kavana for something, you indicate the fact that that is important to you. It's a barometer. It's an indicator. So in one frame, lahispalel, I'm reflecting on my own emuna. To what extent do I feel the presence of the Rebona Shalom? Well, that's going to be reflected in my davening. If my davening is lousy, 
that means that I'm obviously not expressing that emuna. And the opposite is, if my davening is growing, then I'm growing in my davening. Now, this is, it's important not to oversimplify this. It doesn't mean that if a person has struggles with the words, it means they don't have kavana. It could be the opposite, that they do. You know, Nechama's grandmother, she should live and be well. So she's a goan of davening, among many other things. Not too many people at the age of 92 are learning. I spoke to her last week. She's like, Hareini Nazir. It's wild, because she's learning dafyomi now. Yeah. With Sirli Bornstein at 92 years old, Bobby. So anyway... So she told me once that when, you know, first, before she was married to Rabbi Palkovitz, Zichron Levracha, for 30 years, her first husband, Nechama's grandfather, was Rabbi Alexander S. Gross, Zichron Levracha. Rabbi Gross was an unbelievable mashpia and uh, mechanech. So when he passed away, he was a young person. So she told me she didn't pick up a sitter for a whole year. She didn't pick up a sitter for a whole year. But she said she davened, she spoke, she poured out her heart to the Rosham every single day. That came from a deep, deep place. She's one of the most incredible bastions and, and paragon, paragons of Amuna. So tefillah and Amuna are related to each other. And that's where Bakasha can come in. If a person leans into their Bakashos and develops a sense that their Bonshalolam is is Eino Bovado, is Kol Yachol, and that the tefillah is sometimes an excuse just to spend some time with him, just to chaperain. You know, we shouldn't miss another, you know, another day of connecting. We, we connected this morning, we're going to connect this afternoon, tonight, just a nice opportunity, we should just exchange a few words, then we're nurturing our emuna, that, that pursuit of connection, the goal of tefillah, which is Liz Dabek to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And then the tefillah becomes a barometer. And we say, oh, you know what? Taka, we need, we need some chizik in our amuna because our davening is, is in a kishalon place. And that's okay. So then we're a again. But that's part of the beauty. And we'll end with this. That's a part of the beauty of the fixed bakashos. Because Chazal said to us, look, you can always come back to it. It's waiting for you. The menu is there. So maybe you're not so inspired by Veliru Shalai today. You'll get to it tomorrow. Maybe this year you're going to work on Baruch because you want to really think about Parnassah, so you'll leave a Tzakab for you'll focus on it more next year. It's a whole, it's like a smorgasbord. Obviously an ideal for a person who's a high level, so they do everything, but I don't know if any of us are on that level. So one thing at a time, but as we pursue those Bakashos, those actually, the Bakashos are helping us reach the real goal of Davni, which is connecting with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Yeah.